0: save all our is to have a lot of funsies because folks, we are hashtag moneywoke. Thanks for joining me here at the Greg Chats Cash podcast and the live stream on Instagram and Twitch. Join me there anytime, mostly at 1.30, but today I am really late. And right after this live stream and, and podcast, I'm going straight to work. So if I seem a little bit frantic on this one, that's why. I got a deadline. And today for that deadline, I decided to talk a little bit about Um, what I'm calling an incomplete, off-the-cuff, unverified definition of stock markets and investing. So what I want to kick off with is this idea that, first off, one of the things you'll hear a lot is the stock market. And ladies and gentlemen, there is no one stock market, not just in one country. It's not one stock market per country. In fact, there are many stock markets within given countries. So it's really important to consider how to invest with different stock markets. But before we even get into investing, let's talk about what is a stock market? A stock market is a place that you go and buy and sell pieces, often pieces, of companies. Now, there are different types of markets out there. For example, there are also markets that deal in commodities like gold and silver, or corn and oil. Um, These are, or corn oil. Um, uh, Or uh, uh, what's it from the uh, orange futures? And uh, uh, that's the options markets. But anyway, see, I'm getting way off topic already. My point is this, is that there are many, many different markets out there. Oftentimes, when we think about markets and we're talking about the stock markets, we're often talking about companies that you buy and sell in these markets. The thing is, is I can't just show up at a stock market and be like, give me 100 of Facebook, please. Um, $100 worth of Facebook, please. Um, you need what it's called a broker, a go-between. And so, before we even get into that, why the heck would any company want to sell pieces of themselves to Joe Schmoes like me, washing my dishes? Well, I'll tell you this. Here at the Daily Dish, talking about money stuff till my dishes are done, I like to think of the stock markets as a, a place where companies go oftentimes, and this is going to be one of those parts of the definitions where everyone uh, could comment and say, yeah, but Greg, you're uh, totally wrong on this point. And they might be verified in this. But my point being is that oftentimes a company will go to become on the stock market, to be on the stock, mar- stock market, to expand. Because when you're a private company, and you're, or say you're a a personal business owner, and you own a business, and you build it, and you build it up, and it's doing well, and you hire people, and they're doing well, and you're paying them. You have partners. Perhaps you even sell some of the company to private investors, maybe portions of the company to people who are like, hey, I'll give you this much for your company. Um, then you have private partners, right? Well, at some point, when you decide to go public, what you're doing is this is a way to bring in a huge cash influx because people will buy portions of your company so that you can do things like expand at exponential rates oftentimes. Um, And uh, that might not always be exponential growth. Uh, You know, uh, yeah, in fact, I I would pull back on that a little bit. Exponential growth would be, you know, hopes and dreams right uh, but my point being is that when you become a publicly traded company you're opening yourself up to access to a whole lot of cash now some people when they get invested privately with companies they look at this public uh this public offering they they often call that an ipo when a company first becomes available to purchase for the public like you heard about that probably lately with snapchat not too long ago a year or two ago Is that 2016, 2017? I don't know. Um, 2017. Yeah, I think. Uh, And my point being is that when these companies go public, after a certain amount of time, the original private owners are able to sell off their shares. Now, at this point, you want to make sure um, this is where we get into things like what each share is worth. Well, here's the thing. My company could have 100 shares, it could have 1,000 shares, but the value of my company doesn't change, right? It's just basically the whole value of the company, the shares are broken up as pieces of a pie. Imagine a pie, that is the whole value of your company. We're talking about your intellectual property, if you're someone like Disney, the idea of owning Mickey Mouse, or all of your, um, all of your store property, if you're a retail place that owns your stores, you would count that in your value basically you sum up all of your value your assets the things you own the things and you subtract the things you owe and totally that's the value of your company right you figure out what the value of your company is and then when you're a publicly created company you get split up into shares and the shares are like slices of a pie when you buy shares and usually we're not talking hundreds of share one hundred shares per per a company it's usually thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or more um, and oftentimes those shares get split where sometimes they're like, "Hey, remember when we said you had one share now you have two shares all right so just keeping that in mind because it doesn't mean that you have more money if you If I have one share that's worth a dollar. And you now make it two shares. Basically, I just have two shares that are worth 50 cents. So just keep that in mind that when you hear of something like a stock split, that's what's happening. When you're taking all the stock you own and doubling it most of the time, doesn't change the value, just changes how many you have, how many pieces you have. Just changes the sizes of the pieces, not necessarily the full value of the sum of those pieces. Um, moving forward, just to keep this in mind. So if you're a publicly traded company and you go out there and you try to have an initial public offering, you're like, I want to raise all this money to expand our business. Then all of a sudden that company now traded on the public stock market, people are watching its value, whether it's growing, whether it's shrinking, whether it's earning more. And I'll tell you what, stock markets love to see companies earning more. And I don't mean stock markets, they're they're just a system, right? The people who own shares in that company like to see that company growing, expanding, and earning more because it makes their shares more valuable. And a long time ago, a big part of the system, which has been less and less lately, is that you're not there to sit there and watch the value of your share grow because it's not about selling your shares. In fact, if you own a really good company, you want to hold on to it for a really long time, especially if that really good company pays out a nice dividend. A dividend is a whole bunch of money sent to you because they're doing well. You are know, like, hey, we're doing really well. You're a shareholder. You own part of this company. Here's part of our profit. And that's not a bad thing to get is a dividend. But a lot of times these days, there are less and less companies that tend to pay out the dividends, which means instead they're looking at the value of each share to rise because, well, I don't know why exactly. I couldn't speak to that with authority, but I will tell you this. The idea that we are becoming a faster and faster buy and sell culture rather than a buy and hold culture when it comes to stock markets and stock investing, um, I would say that, uh, and you know, I don't have that verified by facts either. I would even say that is an unverifiable part of my definition. But my point being is that with more and more exposure to the opportunities to buy and sell quicker and quicker, uh, people are taking those opportunities because it often feels like speculation gambling or possibly smart quote unquote investing. Um, and what I would say is this, is that buying and holding is a really, really powerful strategy, buying stock and then holding on to it. And that's part of my first incomplete investing tips. Um, Warren Buffett, one of the richest people on the planet, often says the best stock you can buy is the one you never sell. Like the best stock you own is the one you never have to sell. And um, that's what he looks at when he buys stocks. Stocks he can buy for a lifetime because those companies are going to perform and earn a nice return for him, or money back, return on investment, ROI. If you ever hear anyone say that term, ROI, that's where it's coming from. It's a good one to know. Just like if you hear the thing like stock split, and if you hear the thing like ROI, these are good terms to know. Oh, when people say, uh, oh, dividend, that's a good one to know. Um, When people say, uh, what are some other terms? Oh, the S&P 500. Have you ever wondered what the S&P 500 stood for? Or what it is? You're probably sitting there going, no, Greg, I've never wondered that. And I'm not really that interested in it. Well, I'm going to tell you anyway. And see, in fact, I'm watching people fall off the live stream right now. They're like, "Boop, I'm out of here. The S&P 500, I'm saying it anyway because I got to go to work soon. Um, The S&P 500 is the Standard & Poor's 500, the 500 largest publicly traded companies in America. And so by that, what you can do is you can look at the average of those companies, basically how much they're valued at, and how much their value goes up and down. And they average that out among those 500 companies and they use those averages in ways that people often argue about whether or not the averaging systems are the best uh, or the worst or any good at all but i would say this is that by looking at the s&p 500 you do get a snapshot a snapshot and think about this this is a snapshot of a movie a very 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 long movie that lasts for decades When you look at the S&P 500, you get a snapshot of what's going on right now, or more accurately, what just happened. What happened in the past just recently. We can look even further back, and that's what I challenge you to do, is instead of looking at what the S&P 500 is doing today, this week, this month, this year, if you really want to start learning about stock markets and investing, Take a look and learn what public stock markets have done over the last decades, over the last century. Look at even how a lot of times the way we measure these markets has changed because we fudge the numbers all the time. As humans, we're like, we'll make this little correction on how we define that. And by defining that, all of a sudden, things look a little cheery oftentimes. And I'm not saying this is inherent human bias, but I'm saying it is inherent human bias that plays into these systems. And it's just very important to keep aware of that because as the individual investor, the stock markets are not set up for us. This is why in the middle here, I'm going to bring up index fund investing because for the vast majority of us, this is the quickest, easiest, most affordable way not to have to make learning about stock markets, studying the companies you're investing in, a part-time to full-time job in your life. Because here's the thing, when you buy a company, you're not just buying what it's doing right now, you have to watch that company as you own it. Because as a part owner, if you are comfortable with what they're doing and how they're making their choices, you really need to consider what ways that you're willing to own that company. And if all of a sudden things change, you have to be ready to make a decision about selling if necessary. And this can be a challenging, challenging endeavor to take on as a part-time, even or full-time job. So here's what I like about the set-it-and-forget-it style of investing that I adhere to. It's index fund investing. Index funds are funds made up of entire stock markets. Like, for example, you can buy an S&P 500 index fund. This buys 500 of the, publicly traded, the largest publicly traded stocks in America, And this is only the beginning of your investing though, because that's not the only thing to consider owning. For example, this is called Greg chats cash, which means before you even start with this stuff, y'all better have your cash in order. Because basically, when it comes to investing, like I said before, obviously, it'd be great to have it for a lifetime, own it for the long haul, and really maximize that investing. Because more important than timing the market when it comes to stock markets is time in the market. The longer you're in the market, that's Burton G. Malkiel. You've heard it here before. It's one of my favorite quotes. But you've heard it here before because time in the market, the more decades you're in there, the higher return because of compound interest that you're going to have. Where all of a sudden, at some point in that curve of earned money that goes up like a skate park ramp, your interest starts earning even more than your contributions that you put in there. But before we get to that point, we have to start contributing. And so what we end up doing is we find that broker, that company that's going to help us buy low-cost, well-diversified index funds, Oftentimes, total stock market funds or index funds. And you know what? I'm just going to say because I'm not not, uh, sponsored by any company. I love Vanguard. I said it. There, I said it. They don't sponsor people. Vanguard is one of my favorites because you can get some very quick and easy definitions of index funds because guess what? They're the company that created them back in the 70s. Jack Bogle, the founder, the founder of Vanguard is the creator of index funds, and here's why they're so great. Because in most other situations, when you're investing, you want to do a few things. You want to make sure you're not losing money, and you want to make sure your investment's growing without that loss. Or basically, uh, yeah, this is that part where I was kind of way off the cuff and not ready for how to explain this, but what I would say is this, when it comes to investing, like, uh, Buffett says as well, don't lose money. So, how can we make sure that our return is going to be more than just like say a savings account? More than 2% in a really good savings account, or you know, close to 3% in a long-term CD, a certificate of deposit. How can we get a good return or a return that's higher than expected, or a return that's going to grow our money? at exponential compounding rates, what we need to do is we need to do things like, one, set up automated systems and make sure that we are comfortable with those systems because we have an advisor or someone that we're speaking with that we trust when it comes to our investing strategy. Because when it goes down and there's another 2008 or something similar, we need to know that we are going to hold the course because time in the market beats timing the market. Those people who stayed in in 2008. And those people who dollar cost averaged, kept their monthly investments going, were able to ride out because when we invest, we invest for decades. And so keeping that in mind, what I recommend is I'm someone who feels very strong and independent in my investing strategies. I totally get people feeling less, more risk averse and more nervous about downturns and having access to that money. Because when you aren't investing, you are investing for the long haul. And if you need it sooner than that, you might not want to be storing it there. So with this in mind, having someone that you trust, that you can talk to about this strategy, who is open to talking about index funds. If you are going to get someone who's a professional, here's the other word of the day to know. Fiduciary. A fiduciary is someone who is legally obligated to work in your financial best interest legally. Did you know that not all financial brokers are legally obligated to work in your best interest? It's weird. They just have to find something suitable. Those air quotes there because that, that's the actual term. Uh, this is suitable. It's going to make me a lot of money. Less for you, but it's suitable. Um, so just keep that in mind. Be open to index funds. Dollar cost average, which means a couple times a month, maybe once a week, maybe once a month, whatever you can set up for an investing strategy. You have automated systems that take from your paycheck or your check or your checking or pre-payroll if you're going through an, uh, uh, an employer. Money comes out, goes right to the broker, and they buy index funds that you are comfortable with. Research more on index funds and keep this in mind not only do we get index funds because they're well diversified, they cost less. So we are cutting down on fees and expenses. And if you buy them when you're buying them through things like retirement funds, quote unquote, you know, not my favorite word. Check out the last episode if you want more on retirement funds. But you are getting taxed advantages, Which means if you're getting tax advantages you're paying less in fees index funds automated set it and forget it it's the way to go then instead of doing stuff like uh you know spending all your time reading the stock charts and learning about what the s p 500 has been doing for the last decade which i spent way too much time doing You just set up the index funds and then you turn on the live stream so you can Twitch and Instagram and record a podcast and do your dishes at the same time. My dishes are done. Thanks for joining me today. Today's sponsor was your time and attention. Those of you on the live stream, it's great to see you. Thanks for joining me. And if you catch this on Twitch later, give me a shout out. Let me know, hey, I watched you do the dishes and be a goofball for a while. And uh, I got questions or I got answers or I got got arguments with what you had to say. Because trust me, not all of it was correct. Don't trust just some guy doing his dishes. As always, do your own research. Thanks for joining me on the Great Chats Cash podcast and on the live stream. Please leave a comment, leave a thumbs up, a like, or whatever you like to do. And if this is your first time, of course, just swipe away and have a great day but come back if you get a chance and you like what you have. Um, Hopefully I'll be a little bit more organized next time, but probably not. Thanks for joining me on the podcast.